Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Natural Born Hunter podcast. And tonight, we're going to start out with this. Phil, what is better than getting 10% off on your Mountain Ops purchase? Getting 11% off your Mountain Ops purchase? That's true. And what's better than that? Well, we can walk this all the way up, but let's just go ahead and jump right up to 20% off, Will. Yes, let's not annoy our listeners by going <laughs> increment by increment till he gets 20%. <laughs> if you want 20% off your next purchase from Mountain Ops, go to GetMountainOps.com, enter the coupon code NBH20 at checkout, and boom, you get 20% off. I encourage you to do so. I love my Mountain Ops. Hell yeah, they've got great proteins, pre-workouts, they got little... BCA pills that I love, multivitamins. I mean, if you want to get jacked, just take a little Yeti, and you will be well on your way. That's it, man. And you can't beat the new flavor of the Yeti. So check it out, everybody. Once again, NBH20 at checkout. Also, uh, we are able to provide to you a pretty sweet gift code from Maven Optics which is NBH gift. If you enter that at your checkout, they will send you some free Maven swag with your purchase. I mean, these are probably one of the hottest binoculars out there today. They're fully customizable, you know, when it comes to camo patterns, colors, and not only that, they're great glass. I'm going to have Phil tell you a little bit more about that because he had a really nice expensive pair of binoculars and he sold them and got himself yeah, some no, Mavens. I Absolutely, man. I mean, when you when you look at us as hunters, we want the best bang for our buck, right? And not everybody has fifteen hundred or two grand or twenty five hundred dollars to spend on a pair of optics. So why not get as close to the good the quality of what those two thousand dollar pair of binoculars are for half the price? You know, I mean, Mavens put a excellent product together. They've eliminated the middleman and brought you the hunter, you know, the best product they can put together and kept it in a reasonable price. So, you know, if you don't believe us, you know, they're out here, they're finishing first or second in, in all kinds of awards when they're, they're putting their binoculars out there for an independent review. They just took second in a recent review on their spotting scope. And that's, there was over 30 entries into that review. Uh, all the big boys were in there too, ladies and gentlemen. And Maven, yes, on their new spotting scope, took second place in there. I mean, if that doesn't tell you, you know, that they're, they're putting out top-notch quality products, you know, I don't know what it is. Listen to me. It's money. Listen to Will. You know, they're giving us, they're giving us and our listeners the opportunity to, you know, look, if you're watching, check out this sweet hat I got on. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a sweet hat right there I got with my binos, right? So check it out, man. They're going to kick you a free gift. I encourage you to support the companies that are really keeping the hunter in mind. That's right. So it's for Mountain Ops, NBH20 for 20% off your purchase at checkout. And for Maven, it's NBH Gift at checkout. Try them out. At Maven Let, built, yeah, mavenbuilt.com. That's right. That's right. So get on over there and try them out. And now go on and enjoy the show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Natural Born Hunter podcast. And before we uh, kick things off, I just want to give a quick shout out to Team Omega Wolf. You guys are Killing it. Absolutely killing it. Crushing the workouts and the archery things. I just wanted to say keep up the good work. I'm super impressed uh, with what you're doing. Also, sign up for the Alpha Bow Hunting Challenge. Phil's got a bunch of them going on. So get your asses signed up. Get out there. Help the movement. Now, to start things off, we've got the ever-controversial Tim Ensley coming on the podcast tonight. I'm living the brand. Bad medicine archery. He's a bad, bad man. So, uh... Hide your kids, hide your wife, lock them up, because the man's come to town. Welcome to the show, Tim. What is up, guys? It only took like 20 minutes for me to set Skype up so I could actually see you guys. <laughs> There's nothing you guys wrong. Tell people about this too, aren't you? You're going to tell people about this in the industry, right? That we were going to do a deal with Tinsley, but it took him forever to set up his Skype. So. <laughs> hey, man. I I want to know about what Will's talking about because all I ever see Tim posting on social is good stuff, man. What, what's what's all this controversial, you know, bad man stuff going on? <laughs> Tim's just got himself. That. Tim's just got himself some opinions. 
Some opinions, I think, are interesting. You know, and I'm not disagreeing with these opinions. I just think his opinions on the industry and certain parts of it or where it's going and how well, it's Well, shoot, man, let's jump in right into that. I'm, I'm, I want to hear. I'm curious. Uh, what, do you, what do you want to know? I mean, I can start anywhere you want to start. So Let's start Will, from the beginning, Will. Tim. We were, we were just recapping a little bit about the a ATA and how, you know, uh, I don't want to speak for Tim, but maybe how these days it seems that all you need are a few thousand followers and some large chest and you can become a professional in the industry. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, you can uh, you can get on you can get on with several companies if you've got thirty thousand followers and you're willing to walk around in a bathing suit, you know. And what really aggravates me about the whole deal is not it's not women in the outdoors because trust me, I've got some great friends that are women in the outdoors that have worked their asses off and made it, you know, the way you should make it by hard work, putting herself out there. They're not on Instagram and Facebook every day, standing around in a bikini um, to get followers. They're out there killing shit. They're out there hunting. They're filming. They're badass women. And then, you know, and then I just seem like this year more at ATA, I ran into more and more of these little cutesy bathing suit beauties that were walking around, you know, showing people their, their, you know, their price list of what they charge for a Instagram post on or a Facebook post. And I actually went and looked at a couple of those pages to kind of see what these people were doing. And for the most part, they really weren't doing anything. <laughs> they were just standing there holding, holding something in a, uh, holding something in a, uh, in their hand, like a, a particular item, a bow or a, or a, or a gun or a set of binos or whatever, and they're just standing there. But you look all the way through their Instagram page and you see nothing of any real value to tell you the truth. You know what I'm saying? But here's the thing. I think it's, I think it's a slap in the face to, to the women that have really worked hard and made it in our industry. People like Jana Waller, Christy Titus, Melissa Bachman, Jules McQueen. Um, there's several others that I could name that, that are, you know, they're real badasses. They get out there and they hunt and they hunt hard and they can go just as hard as anybody I know. And they've really worked and made it, you know, to where they've gained a level of respect. And then I think you have these other little teeny bopper girls that come along that just really drag that level of respect down. So Are you saying they're trying to sell sex, Tim Ensley? Like, that's, that's what I'm saying. Hey, man. <laughs> and and what's... So, so you're want? saying that the oldest profession in the book shouldn't apply to hunting? The whole, you know, I mean. You know, it, I guess it does. But, uh, you know, I just I just think it's uh, it, it's kind of odd to me for, for, for some, of these, uh, some of these companies to jump on board with this. Because my ideal, I'm thinking, you know, most of the guys that are looking at these pages for these chicks don't really care what scent control they're using. <laughs> you know. <laughs> They could really I, give two shits whether they're spraying down before they go to the stand or not. They just they just want to see if there might be a nip slip today. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Well, I, I'm not gonna lie. No, I Tim. am a follower. I am a follower of fish bras on uh, on Instagram. Of what? I'm not gonna lie. Oh, wait, fish of, bras. Fish, fish bras. Fish, like the fish. chicks that hold the fish as a bra. Have you seen well, it, I haven't seen that. No, I have, what is and fish bra? I, I encourage you to check it out. There's some, there's some very colorful looking fish. On that page, fish bras. Will's looking it up like right now. Yeah, I am looking up. I got my phone right here. Eight, uh, Tim, in case you're wondering, fish bras has a yeah. uh, hundred and eighty-five thousand uh, followers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm one guilty follower right here. Florida, Florida bow fishing's another one. You ever seen that page? No, huh. I'm bowfishing.com. Man, all they show are pictures of chicks. Standing in with their bow fishing rigs in bathing suits, you know, and I mean, they got jillions of followers and it's, you know, listen, I got nothing totally against it other than it's just when I see, when I see that at ATA and at, uh, and at a shot show in different places. It's a fish bottom. Fish butt. That's a fish butt. 
Yeah, she ain't even wearing no bottoms. That's just a big old fish in front of them bottoms. I haven't seen that one, man. I got to get back on Instagram and start yeah. start, start prowling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just think, I think, you know, it's what bothers me about it, it doesn't, it's not that it affects me. It affects, I think it's just kind of a, a slap in the face to to the women that I named a while ago that have really made a name for themselves in the industry the right way. And they built it up to a point to where they are getting paid to play. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, and so, so I just hate to see, hate to see what they've accomplished get cheapened by some of the other crap that's out there. You know what I mean? So you're saying yeah. you don't want to see what they're doing be reduced to fish bras? Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, I mean, it just, uh, well, you know, it's just like I said, uh, people that are, people that are looking at that, that are looking at that page aren't necessarily looking on there to see. Like I said, what the chicks, what bow she's shooting. <laughs> Tim, <laughs> Tim, I doubt that. I'm sure this is 100% about what items of tackle these ladies yes. are using to catch these fine, fine fish. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm definitely opinionated about that. And I don't mind stating it because I, I know, I mean, I, I know Christy. I know Jana. I know Jules. I've been in hunting camps with them. I don't know Melissa Bachman, but I've watched you know, I mean, obviously she's been around a long time and she's well-respected. So when I see, you know, people like Brenda Valentine, that she was really the first woman to ever have a, her own hunting television show and, you know, how she worked and, and did it the right way in the same way that Christy and, and Jana and Jules and Melissa and those girls do it. Um, you know, that impresses me a lot. And then I just hate to see it get torn down by a lot of, you know, TNA and uh, companies spending their money on that when really they're not going to get anything out of it in the long run. They think they're getting exposure, but they're not getting the right kind of exposure. You're not getting the exposure. You're seeing some exposure, <laughs> but you're, you're, not, you're, not getting the, you're not getting the kind of exposure you were expecting. So. <laughs> no, you're right, man. That, that genuine, you know, person that – and we've had Christy on the show – um, in the past and, and she's been great, man. I mean, she was very, you know, she's very well spoken. She's very educated. She, she practices what she preaches. So I, I can agree with you on that. I know Jana, the, the few interactions I've had with her at some of the trade shows, totally, totally sweet person. I mean, I, I she's, she's, uh, she, she seems like I said, from, from what I see on TV to what, what, what I, when I met her and talked to her, seems like the same person, you know, and, and you don't get that a lot, you know. So no. I agree. I, I think that some of the the ladies that are are uh, that have paved the way, um, it's unfortunate. But I don't know, man. I mean, you, we all we've all talked about it on this show. It's the hunting industry being you know three to five years behind the time and other trends and the, what other industries are. Who knows? Well, maybe we, <laughs> oh, right. Maybe, maybe we just start. Maybe we do see more of that. And maybe we go backwards before we go forwards with a lot of this stuff just because, I don't know, you know, it, social media is so widespread and it is in people's lives every day that, oh, yeah. I don't know, man, I don't know what the, I don't know what the long-term outlook is, you know, I, it's, you hope that those people that shine, that have earned it shine through, but we'll see. Well, they will. I think longevity wise, it's, you know, the people that have done it the right way and, and earned it and shine a good light on our industry. I think they're the ones that are going to survive. And I think that in the long runs, the, the ones that are pretty much fake it till you make it, you know, type deal. Um, I think, whoa, I, think whoa, I think that's my plan. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go throw those guys under the bus. <laughs> we were going to have a t-shirt made out of that, weren't we? <laughs> Exactly. Uh, exactly what we're uh, doing. But you know, I mean, I think I think eventually that's gonna that's gonna end up falling by the wayside because it did in all the other sports. You look at, you know, I've always thought when I when I first kind of stepped into this industry accidentally six years ago, I looked around and wondered why our industry wasn't following Red Bull's lead, Hurley, DC shoes, vans that lead which 20 years ago when they were starting websites and youtube channels 
to promote their product. And that's where they built their brands on YouTube. Yep. You never saw those guys on TV, on a commercial, on, you know, on mainstream television, but yeah, you pull up their YouTube channel and you know, the Red Bull channel back in the day, 20 years ago would have videos up that had 70 and 80 and hundred thousand views. So that's where they build their brands. And that's what I thought, why is our industry not doing that? And six years ago, when I first started asking people about that, they told me I was absolutely stupid. They're like, yeah, if you're not on, if you're not on one of these two channels, you're, you're never going to make it in this industry in any shape or form. And I thought, well, wait and see. Couldn't, couldn't be further from the truth today, right? I mean, oh, absolutely. Look, look where we are now. We're yeah. basically, you can, you can think of it this way. As, as little as three years ago, if you walked into uh, a potential sponsor, let's say, and you sat down with them and, and pitched them your ideal, the first thing they were going to ask you was what quarter you were going to be on and what time, prime time, middle of the day, morning, what time you were going to be on those channels. And if you said you weren't going to be on those channels, you were going to be on YouTube or you were going to be on a website or you were going to do this, your conversation was over. Yep. Your conversation was over. They had – it was, it was all about what quarter you were going to be in. And, and listen, I've got buddies that, that have busted their ass. You all, we all do that have busted their ass to make it, you know, on the, in, in the outdoor television industry and they've done it the right way. And those shows are always going to survive, you know, I think, but what's going to, what we're going to see, I think in the, in the trend coming is that the smaller shows are, it's going to get harder and harder for those guys to, be able to afford to be on television. So you're going to see a lot of that stuff going back to YouTube. You're seeing it right now. Um, and Vimeo and different and other entities. Um, you know, I was talking to a guy today and you guys, you guys know the guys from Montana wild. See any of their stuff. Yep. Oh, look at you go. Yeah, absolutely. So I was talking to TJ actually today and, um, one of the things that, that impresses me about those guys is that they have the same attitude I do. I, I never have had aspirations of having a television show of any kind. It just never was anything I wanted to do or set out to do. And I always felt like if I got in some kind of production um, that I wanted it to strictly be online. Well, now, you know, it's to a point now where when you go in and sit down with these guys, they want to know what kind of a digital reach you have. They want to know, um, they want to know about, your show on YouTube. They want to know about they're, they're interested in this stuff now because they see the value in it. Um, they didn't as, 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 as little as three years ago, they didn't see the value to it. You know what I'm saying? And some still don't. Some, yeah, some still don't. I've, I've, I've got a couple sponsors right now that I, that they, you know, they, they do as little as possible just because they're still tied so heavy into television and they feel like if they're not there, then they're, you know, they're out and and I think it couldn't be farther from the truth but I think definitely television is still a huge market and it's always going to be a huge market and the good the good shows and the credible people are always going to be there but I think uh, more and more podcasts where people are getting their information through podcasts people are getting their information through websites people are getting their information through YouTube uh, people are getting their entertainment through YouTube. My mom and dad, they're they're in their, they're seventy years old and they don't they don't have cable. They watch Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> you well, know what I mean, no, it's the same with my wife. My wife the other day, you know, we're sitting there and and I'm all, I'm watching videos on my phone, and and she said, "What are you doing?" I said, "You know, I don't watch TV. I don't really get engaged in that." I said, "YouTube is my TV." You know. Yeah. I, I pursue what I want to watch, the things that intrigue me, the things that interest me. And, and even when, you know, Will and I have joked around about stuff, it's like, you know, you want to figure out how to do something, you go to YouTube and figure it out, exactly. you know. And, and, and maybe, you know, you got to go through three or four or five videos to figure out which knucklehead knows what they're talking about. But at the end of the day, it's, it's a great resource to, to be able to just go do that. That's right. And I'll say something to my wife all the time. I'll say, I wonder how you do that. And she'll look at me and say, Google it. Yeah. <laughs> and you Google yeah. it, you're going to get 16 YouTube videos on how to do some a specific thing. And um, 
Crap, I've, <laughs> I've built an entire film career up to this point off of YouTube, basically off of Google. <laughs> you know, it's it's real funny you guys mentioned that because last night, for the first time ever, I actually watched Joe Rogan live when he had Ryan and Kenton on from First Light, and I watched that live, and I took it from the iPad, and I cast the YouTube up through the Chromecast onto the TV. So I'm sitting there watching it on the big screen live. And that's the other thing about TV is you're not going to see uh, hunting stuff live, especially in, like, long-form talk like that. It was, you know, a couple, more than two hours long. I forget how long exactly. I had to cut it off because it was, you know, time to put the little man to bed. But, you know, here I am watching exactly the type of stuff I want to live from the comfort of my couch, you know, no yeah, commercial interruptions, nothing. And then today I, I, I saw a thing and I'm like, oh, I wonder how I make a gold logo, right? So I YouTube it. Next thing you know, I got uh, this gold logo fucking made up myself. <laughs> well, I watched, I watched some guy, some guy freaking from like New Zealand or somewhere with an accent talking like this. I'm like, all right, now we take this and we do that. And I'm like, Phew. so watch some guy from halfway across the world teach me how to make something out of gold on Photoshop. Yeah, exactly. That's but that, and that's where it is to me. I mean, that's that's where we're at. And I think if um, and I think as we get farther and farther, there's going to be more and more. Just like talking about Jules McQueen a while ago, I know. Um, they took their show off. They've been 17 seasons on Sportsman's Channel, and they took it off and wow. put it on, uh, put it straight to uh, Carbon TV, um, video on demand. And you know, to and, and and said they were they were happy about it. Said it was going really good. And I just think that's that's the direction that it is going. I still think that the shows that have a lot of credibility are gonna. They're always going to be on there. There's always going to be a Sportsman's Channel. There's always going to be an Outdoor Channel. You're going to have the guys that are driving the industry um, forward are going to be the ones that have longevity, I think. And then uh, the ones that are that are holding it back are going to be the ones that are somewhere else. Yeah, but, I mean, do you ever see – so let me ask you this, Tim. Obviously, we know that for Sportsman's Channel, Outdoor, whatever, that, that whole market, it's pay-to-play, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. You, so do you ever see – that market going to where where you've got some of the network originals or the network exclusives where they're paying for the talent or the whatever the fee that you're you know for the host and all that do you see that going towards more of that direction as as some of these middle of the road shows i'm going to say not not from a quality standpoint but maybe just from a popularity standpoint um as those start going more towards digital and you got the top ones that get the the, the most views do you see those starting to benefit even more so? I think so, and I, and, I, and they're doing it right now to an extent. I mean, look at, uh, I think, uh, the Uncharted show with Jim yep. Shockey. I think that first whole season of it was basically, I think the Outdoor Channel basically paid for that show. From what, Now, this is what I heard. I wasn't part of the, the meeting or anything, so <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'd heard they paid for the show. I'd heard the first season that dropped was basically paid for. Um, I know. Uh, uh, it was their number sure. one show, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I think uh, I think there's definitely some stuff out there. I don't know if you guys saw Matt Zinger's Project Elk. I don't know if Sportsman's Channel paid for that or not, but they did feature it as an hour-long documentary, which I thought was cool as hell, um, that we're seeing more of that come about, you know, yeah. um, more informational stuff instead of, you know, and it's, and it's hard for, for me coming from the Midwest and like Will coming from the East coast. I mean, we're primarily whitetail guys, right? Yeah. And there's only, there's only so many times I can watch the same freaking ass deer get shot out of the same freaking ass tree over the same dude's right shoulder and have the same turnaround and fist pump and there's only so many times i can watch that and i'm done i don't want to yep. see it anymore you know and unfortunately um where we live it's almost like every day in as far as trying to film something um you have to almost reinvent the wheel every day to try to make it interesting because otherwise everything else is just cookie cutter 
Yeah. You know, it's the same shot. It's the same deal. But there's no, there's really no other really cool way to, to film a whitetail hunt. So I think the more you're, I think where it comes to is that <clears throat> the shows that are actually have a message and are more on a storyline are going to take more presidents in the future. That's what I think. I mean, and those, those are the shows I like to watch. You know, I like to watch Willie Schmidt's show. I like to watch Jason's show. I like to watch, you know, there's, there's a few shows on there that I like to, that I enjoy watching just because, um, I feel like I learned something or I went on a trip, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I got to go on a trip with them and a lot of it is too. I'm pretty biased cause I'm friends with those guys, you know, and I have been on some hunting trips with those dudes and, and <laughs> I know what I can, I can tell by watching the show, what mood they're in, you know, at that given time when yeah. they're on camera, but you know, I just, I think it's more and more going to go toward the digital market, but back to what you said, I think you're exactly right. I think it's going to end up being a deal where, uh, but I don't know how they're going to make it work that way, but I do think there's going to end up being a, a time when they're going to start having to pay some of these guys to keep those better shows there. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the deal. I mean, we all know that the, the money comes from advertisement, commercials, you know, all that stuff, Yeah. Uh, partnerships, affiliations. But for them to also charge big money for these shows to get airtime, you look at you look at bigger networks or bigger platforms. Nobody else does that. No. Nobody, you know. No. So it's it, to me, it's kind of mind-boggling because you know, like I said, we have a lot of mutual friends, and I know a little bit about a little bit, and and I talk with guys like like Willie and and Trevin and some of these other guys because they, oh. you know, they come around the shop, and I, I mean, I was talking with willie last night he was shooting 3d 3d league at the shop with us and it's one of those things and and even luke cadillo now with him yep. him starting his his stuff and he's just going to go strictly digital right out the gate and yeah. and it's like the here here's the thing that i like about that you have to answer to you have to answer to less people right because uh, you got that right at the end of the day you're, you're you still need to answer to your sponsors or partners but there is no network at the end of the day saying well, we'd really like you. We'd really like to see more of this, or we'd really like to see you do that. That's gone, you know. Yeah. And and those little clips to where maybe you got to put a little proclaimer or disclaimer at the front says, "Hey, you know what? Adult content only." But those little clips where you're in camp and something hilarious happens, and there's some 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 ass grabbing going on, or there's some yeah. inappropriate language. That shit that you can that we all remember, right? That that's. Yeah. It's just as memorable as somebody getting behind a trophy. Those times in camp where you just you bond, you make bonds, you make friendships. That's the stuff that I want to see. You know, that's the stuff that I want to be a part of. It, it's it's really more memorable because you see that you see the grip and grin every day and the finished result every day, but you never see what actually went on there. I got you know the living the brand series that we do for Badlands. I only ever got in trouble by, I had one sponsor that, that actually watched one episode and actually sent me a long email because I said something about, I had dropped one of my gloves out of the tree that morning and it was like 17 degrees and I've been keeping my hands in my pants around my balls trying to keep my hands warm and I said it on <laughs> camera and we decided to leave it in there and, and he got mad and basically called me and told me he would just rather you know, I didn't say that during the show that they sponsored. And I said, well, I appreciate your input, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it was relevant to the, to the moment <laughs> and we left it in there. But um, that's it, man. It's, it's real, right? It's as it comes. Yeah. It's what, I mean, yeah. at that moment in time, you're sitting there you're, and all you can think about is a, is there a deer going to be coming by and B, Man, I sure am glad my hands are warm sitting right there by my balls. <laughs> yeah, that's right? exactly right. It's the only thing that's going through your mind. So exactly if you're right. if you're making a video and, and you're trying to bring your experience to everybody, man, you gotta keep it real, right? It's part of the experience. And then same the same on the same uh, the same hunt but a different episode, my cameraman was he was like, dude, I gotta take a leak and I'm like, just just turn around and go. And uh <laughs> So he's, he turns around, he's, he's pissing off the tree and I've always got a camera down here too, like a POV camera. And so I had the camera and I was <laughs> around there and all you could see was him 
peeing, you know, down there. You can just see the pee running between his legs because he had his back turned to me. And we put it on, we put it in there. I put it in there. I mean, it just, because uh, that was like his first trip to really be in a tree with me for a long time. And he was like, uh, I got pee, so I've been holding it for a long time. So I need to get down. And I'm like, no, nah, man, just turn around and go off stand right there. He's like, <laughs> Really? I'm like, yeah, just go. I mean, there's no point in climbing down. I mean, he was going to climb over me to get down. So I'm like, turn around, go. I don't care. And uh, so as soon as he started, he had his back to me and it was his perfect camera shot. Like I was standing there acting like it was raining and, <laughs> you know, and, and I mean, but that's stuff that really happens, you know, and, and um, it's, I don't know. I, I would rather see that than see a bunch of, bunch of other stuff and i've had to film that other stuff that i don't really like and and you know just kind of falling into this industry accidentally and falling so, into the film deal accidentally is let, let's get let's get into that tim i mean how did you get started you you, you mentioned you, you kind of got into it accidentally so for the people that don't know tell us about how you did get into it and, and kind of your progression because you've been involved in quite a bit you know and um, the people that don't know, let's, I mean, give us the, the short version, but the, you hit the key points. Well, for, for 27 years, I was a professional rodeo cowboy. That's what I did for a living. And when I got into my 40s, I, I was still winning, but I was just getting tired of it. I was just on the, on the road all the time, just, just really tired of doing it. I mean, it'd been my entire life forever. And when, you know, as, as every sport goes, you know, guys get younger, get faster, and there's always these guys coming up behind you. So you're, uh, you know, there comes a point where the, the torch has to get passed. And I just, I was ready. You know, I, I thought I would never quit rodeoing. But at that point in time in my life, I just, I was done. I knew it, and I quit on my own terms. In fact, the last rodeo I went to, I won sixteen or 1700 bucks. So I was still capable of playing. And on the way home, I had a torn MCL and torn meniscus. I've been roping with a torn MCL and meniscus for almost 30 days. And I was fixing to have to go in and have it worked on and have six months of rehab. And I remember driving home from that rodeo that night. I, I told my wife, I said, I think during the six months, I'm going to see if there's anything else in the world I want to do besides this. And uh, she said, well, you better make sure it's something you enjoy doing because all you've done your whole life is what you wanted to do. It's going to be kind of hard for you just to – yeah." walk into nine to five and i said yeah. all right so during the six months turkey season came along and we hunted and played around and i thought there's only one other thing i like to do and that's bow hunt so maybe i can figure out something to do in the outdoor industry somehow i didn't even know what i mean i didn't know if it was going to work for a company in the outdoor industry or whether it was just i had no ideals period um uh so during that six month period i came up with like the bad medicine archery deal i'd started actually i started making arrow wraps on a little printer for my buddies and yeah. they a couple of them put them up on facebook which the whole time i was rodeoing i never had a facebook page ever i never got a facebook page till i was completely done rodeoing and i got a facebook page and i thought well i'll see what it is so they start throwing these pictures up of these arrow wraps i was making for them on facebook and then um, next thing I know, I'm getting a private message from Cameron Haynes, who at the time was not where he is right now. But, you know, he he was that that climb was starting. And I had watched some of his videos on YouTube at the time that I thought were just really pretty, pretty cool. But I still didn't know who the guy was. You know, I had been in the industry, so I just really didn't know anybody. And so he's like, can you make me some wraps for this? hunt i'm going on and i'm like sure you know so i made some and sent them to him next thing i know they're they're on the cover of hoyt bow hunting's catalog and there's my wraps and uh and then then i get a message from pig man wanting me to make wraps for him and then willie and different people and i'm like hey this could maybe be a business <laughs> so, uh, so we came up with bad medicine archery and we um started trying to figure out which direction to go with it and how to market it, which I knew nothing about that either. And um, so I basically uh, walked into ATA the first time I ever walked in there and, and I got introduced to people by Cameron. I got introduced to people by Pigman and uh, a couple other people in the industry. So right off the bat, 
the introductions were made, you know, by people that, that had credibility and, and, and to be honest with you, so the, 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 probably the best friendship I made that year because I, Cameron signed his deal with boning and he actually sent me a really nice text and told me, he said, man, I signed a deal with boning. I'm going to have my own wraps, appreciate everything. And it was very respectful about it. And, and I totally get it. You know, I was never pissed off or mad or anything over that business is business. I definitely couldn't afford to pay him what boning was going to pay him. So by any means, so I was cool with it. Just thankful that he sent me a nice text. And, but, um, I don't talk to those people still see them at ATA and stuff. And Hey, and how's it going? That's nice. good to see you, whatever. But, um, the best friends I made that ATA were Jason Matzinger and Trevin Stoltzfus, Willie Schmidt. Those were the people, uh, Santino. Those yeah. are the people that I met first. And so I, I've always told everybody I could have never met a better group of dudes to get thrown into right off the bat because the one thing that I learned from those guys right there is every one of those dudes is genuine. They, they are who they are and you know, they're super respectful. They're very good at what they do, but the number one thing they are is they're genuine. And so, um, at that point I was just trying to pump bad medicine archery and we, I went and bought a camera, never had filmed a hunt or filmed anything in my damn life. Um, I've been on camera during rodeos, you know, and stuff a few times and had to talk. I didn't have any problem with that, but, um, but I wanted to make a film cause I was chasing one particular deer in Kansas on, we've got a lease in Kansas and I was chasing one particular deer in Kansas for 21 straight days. I chased this one deer, never did kill him. And it was me by myself in a little bitty camper. I, all I did for 21 straight days was get up in the morning, eat breakfast, go to the deer stand hunt till about 10 or 11, go grab a bite to eat, go check trail cameras, go back to the deer stand, come in, uh, you know, download footage to the computer, go to bed and get up and do it all over again. And that sounds like such a great, wonderful time. But after 21 days, it was, yeah. I was so stressed out over trying to kill this one deer, but I self filmed it all. So when I came back, I was talking to a buddy and he was and actually talking to Jason and Jason said, you know, you should make a film about that. Yeah. You should take all your footage and make a film out of it. And I'm like, yeah, okay. So we did, we entered it to Badlands Film Festival and we won and never made a film ever in my life. And I was like, dang, that was, that was pretty cool. I can just remember when my film came on, I was so nervous about it that I walked completely out of the building. Yeah. The, second, the second my film came on, cause we had rented a limo. I had a buddy of mine at ATA with me that year in Nashville and my wife. And my buddy was like, we should rent a limo. And I'm like, I don't want to rent a limo. You know, I feel cheesy doing that. And so we started talking about it a little more. And I said, no, let's rent a limo. and We'll go hotel to hotel. We'll pick up all my buddies. So we went and picked up Willie and Jason and Santino. We picked up everybody. And we all rode up to, to the Badlands, first annual Badlands Film Festival in the limo and got out. And so it was kind of fun. But then when it actually came on, I couldn't watch. I was so nervous about I wasn't nervous about watching my film. I was nervous about other people watching my film. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I kind of bugged out from there, but, um, long story short, I had some opportunities to be a freelance videographer from that film. So I actually was filmed for flex tone and wild game innovations and a couple other freelance deals around just as a field producer and, uh, made a couple more films and, yeah, that's kind of how it started for me. But I still do bad medicine archery. We still do nothing but custom wraps for a lot of, mainly for archery shops and just different stuff like that. We, we kind of backed off to doing the the solitary custom orders because, uh, yeah, I had so many of those coming in at one time that you'd have guys that would call and order one dozen set of wraps. And that's a lot of work. You don't need design work for a $25 set of wraps. You've sat there for three and a half or four hours designing that set of wraps. And um, so I decided from that point, I was just going to not do, if I did stuff like that, I still do them for my, for, for my friends. I do Willie's and Jason's and a bunch of different other people, Trevins and 
but we mainly do a lot of different archery shops around now and that's about it like where it's you know a 12 dozen type, type of minimum but now i'm more into the film stuff and we're we're producing stuff we're uh, building a new website right now and producing short films and like i said i i i didn't know that the film thing was the path i was going to go down at all period uh wasn't what i was looking for at all but that path opened and i thought I should just go down and see where it goes, you know. Uh, and I wasn't, I wasn't even afraid that I didn't even know what the hell I was doing. You know what I mean? Because I was like, the door's open. I'll figure this shit out as I go. <laughs> so, uh, yep. you know, the door opened and, and I walked through it. And, you know, I've just been going kind of that same direction ever since. I just haven't, uh, haven't really veered off. And I've had a lot of great people around me that, that have given me a lot of good advice. Like I said, Willie and jason and santino and all these guys that have been doing it for years um uh you know i know anytime i i need have a question or anything i can just pick up the phone and call one of those guys and say hey what do you think yeah and they're going to give me their honest opinion and um and that's what i like about my little group of friends and kind of kind of how i got into the industry is pure d ass accident <laughs> hey man you know it's one of those things that I, I have that conversation with my wife every once in a while too she says why are you doing so many different things why are you trying this why are you trying that and it's like you know what I'm not you, you can't wait for the door to open sometimes right sometimes oh, you gotta just kick right. the freaking door in you know yeah. and, and see what's there when you when it when it opens and you'd be surprised sometimes because you know with with the archery shop you know it's with me it, we've grown and we're in a new facility and and just looking at <clears throat> what we've been able to do over the last you know since 2009 that we opened and and i and i look at it saying i'd have never dreamed I, I dreamed that i would be doing what i'm doing now but i didn't i didn't know the, the path you know and yep. at the end of the day you just show up you just got to show up every day and keep grinding and and you know good things happen to those who work hard and, uh, that's that's the truth. That's the honest truth, and I think that's exactly where the um, the deal we talked about at first kind of kind of bugs me because, um, you know, I I think uh, I think there's so many people. It's so easy to become Instagram famous now. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. um, that everybody sees that and they think, well, that's what I'm gonna I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go gather me up 30 something thousand followers because I know how all these algorithms work. And then I'm going to walk into ATA and all these people are going to throw money at me. And it's, uh, you know, I, I don't want to, I want to see it come to more of a digital process, but I, I think it's still better if the right people with the right message are, are, are the ones that are benefiting from that digital process. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, there's, I told somebody the other day, they were, they were asking me, we've got an opportunity to work with a couple of car dealerships and some other stuff, producing some commercials and some short films for them for their YouTube channels. They are going, uh, they're, they're building YouTube channels for their car dealerships and they want, they want content on there. And so we're filming some stuff for them for their YouTube channels. And this, this buddy of mine that's from the documentary film industry, he was like, why don't you just start doing more of that? That's just way more pays way more and you should do more of it. And, and I said, man, here's the thing. Uh, I'm going to keep doing that, but my, my focus is still on the outdoor industry stuff because there's a change that's coming in the industry and I want to be part of that change. I think, uh, you know, for lack of a, for lack of a better term, I mean, I think the, the, the days of the, of the, I guess the redneck persona of a hunter is, is going away. And I want to be one of the guys that helps take it away. Cause I, Says the I guy with the thick redneck accent. Yeah, exactly. The dude, that, <laughs> the dude that everybody sent in my film at the film Badlands Film Festival this year. Somebody came up and said, "How did you get Billy Bob Thornton to do the film, the voiceover in your film?" <laughs> <laughs> I said, "I said, you, you mean like the Sling Blade Billy Bob Thornton, or actually Billy Bob Thornton?" And they said, "No, just Billy Bob Thornton." And I said, "Well, that was me." And they're like. You sounded just like Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> you know, you kind of do. <laughs> well, you know, he grew up like 20 miles from me right here, 20 oh, wow. miles down the road. So I guess maybe we do have a little Billy Bob Thornton going on there. But 
But the whole key is, is I think, I think there needs to be a different light shined on hunters in general and to the general public. And I think that that change is coming and, and I, I just want to be there to be part of that change. Just like fighting for the public lands, all the stuff that, that hunters actually do that people don't associate with us. I think now there's, there's a time coming now to where people are going to associate that with us. And, and they're going to look and see with the products that we're putting, the product we're putting out video wise, podcast wise, the different stuff we're doing that, that persona that they maybe if they if they were not hunters or they were anti-hunters there's a different persona that they're seeing now than what they originally thought um and i think that's up to us and one of the things i always say is and i tell everybody this you're you're, you're never going to change an anti-hunter's mind because he's just as passionate about his cause as we are about ours but the people we have to persuade are the ones that are in the middle of the road that don't really give a shit one way or another where they don't, they don't hunt, but they don't care one way or another where people hunt. Those are the people we have to keep on our side because they're the ones inevitably that are going to be the ones if they see something that's really crappy that they don't agree with that's that's hunting, that they're going to look at that and go, yeah, I don't agree with that. So if that's hunting, I don't agree with it. But what they don't realize is most of us are looking at it saying the same thing. We don't agree with it either. So I've always kind of felt like in the hunting industry – um, we're starting to police ourselves a little more. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And I think and, we have to, because like you said, we're going to be judged not by the best things we do, but by the worst things we do. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and that's what I mean about the middle of the road people that you take a guy that doesn't hunt, but he doesn't really care one way or another. And you show him some kind of gruesome video of, you know, some guys basically just being, maybe it was, maybe even if it was just a legal kill, um, but just the way it was portrayed and it was portrayed in such a way that it shined a bad light on hunting that this guy that's in the middle, you know, he's going to, we're going to turn him against hunting. But the guy that's, if, if we're portraying it in a light where they see that we've got respect for the land, we're stewards of the land, we've got respect for the animals, we're stewards of the animals, and that we're not all just out bloodthirsty killers, um, then, you know, that guy that's in the middle is going to sway more toward our side and say, hey, hunting's, hunting's not a bad deal. I know some guys that hunt. I've seen some some hunting videos that were, these guys were, were doing it the right way. And I think, I think that's, I think that's where we're headed. And I think I want to, I want to be part of that. You know, I don't care what, what part of it I am. I don't care if I'm the, if I'm the tail end of it, or if I'm the nose of it, I want to be part of it, bringing that. Let me ask you this. So some of the, we've covered a little bit of the bad stuff in hunting. What, what would you say are some of the better trends or the trends that really get you excited in hunting? I think, I, I think as far as not just hunting, but I think the fact that one of the coolest trends I, I've seen, I just re, actually saw last week was the fact that we all band together with not only hunters, but bikers and hikers and mountain climbers and rock climbers and horseback riders. And we all band together and, and got a bill stopped yeah. that was potentially going to sell off 3.3 million acres of land. You know, um, I, I kind of want to talk about that a little bit now. I apologize for cutting you off there, but this has been on my mind for a while. And it's, it seemed like it was a lot of people behind the movement and a few companies, right? Yeah. I felt like yeah. we weren't hearing enough from some of the companies in our industry. Also, we definitely weren't hearing it from companies like Patagonia, North Face, Architerics, who two of those are now saying they're not going to go to the Salt Lake City show because of something going on in Utah. But where were they and where are they now with, with HR 622? Is that the yeah, one? 621. 621. Is it 621 still out? 622 no, is still out. Yeah, six, so, so where were they then and where are they now with those? I mean, yeah, people are applauding. Oh, they're not going to go to a show. But here's something that directly affects, like you said, millions and millions of acres and every single u.s citizen of above 18 below 18 doesn't matter your age 
Or then again, everyone really who's visiting the U.S. and wants to go to these places. It's affecting us all, but I feel like these, these companies, they're doing kind of the bare minimum. Yeah, exactly, and I think, and, and a lot of that, you know, Patagonia does a lot of it all over the world, but I don't think they've done as much here. Um, I know Patagonia does a lot of stuff overseas to protect, you know, I know like over in Belize and different places, they bought up giant sections of forest just to protect it. But I really wish they would have stepped up more here. There's a, there's a new group. I'm a, I'm a member of BHA backcountry hunters and anglers. In fact, I talked to land. He was landed in, um, Washington DC day before yesterday. And he called me when he got off plane and said, I'm going to send you a, an email with a, 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 a letter that I got from, uh, from a federal agency. And I want you to want you to read it and get the word out about it. And, um, uh, I'm a big proponent of, of BHA. I love BHA. But there's another group out of California that's just kind of gotten started up called Keep It Public. You find them on, I've been posting some stuff for them on Instagram. Um, these guys don't go as in-depth um, as BHA does as far as like the boundary crossings or whether you can ride a four-wheeler on a certain piece of land or whether trapping's allowed. Their basic goal is to keep the land public. That's their go. Keep it public. They they concentrate strictly on that first, and so I've been I've been dealing with those guys, and and one of the things that they've really done they're doing a good job at is they are bringing in more of the hiking community, and the snowboarding community, and the other people that would use a lot of those public lands, um, and getting them involved. And so I think it's just taking a little little bit longer time to get the word out maybe to those people that you're talking about, the Patagonias. And I sent emails to like, um, outside magazine. Uh, I sent emails to probably five different companies that are all outdoor companies, but they're in a different genre than hunting They're biking or mountain biking or, or hiking or camping or rock climbing or whatever. Uh, I sent emails to a bunch of those companies last week to let them know what was going on with this and to let them know that this was not just a hunting thing. This was a everybody thing. I mean, it doesn't matter if you hunt it. If you're, if you're just a guy that likes to take his kids out on the weekend and camp, you know, I mean, it affects you. Yeah. It, it's, you know, it's something that everybody needs to be aware of because like you said, if, if people don't know, they think that it's a, uh, it's, it's just going to affect hunters or it's just going to affect, you know, whomever, and, and people that just are recreationalists, especially like, I, you know, I live here in Colorado. Yeah. There are people that, you know, they, they go out and they just hike 14ers. That's, they just yeah. want to go out and hike 14ers, you know. You're yeah. going to be impacted. There's the people that just like to go out for a jog. You know, they live close to the foothills and they want to go for a jog after work. You're going to be affected. You know, it's, it's, there's so many people that are, you know, oblivious as to what's going on. And because of social media, because people are sharing and posting and tagging friends that are maybe not from that world, it, yeah. it's going to make an impact. And, you know, it's something that listening to the, the Rogan podcast with, uh, with Callahan and, and Kenton, you know, Ryan, Ryan said, he's like, this should be the easiest battle to win. Absolutely. Should, right. Because you, you see all the people that are affected and it's, it's people that could be pro-gun they could be anti-gun they could be trump supporters they could be anti-trump there's people from all walks of life from all political aspects that this affects everybody and it should be it should be very simple to, to shoot these things down and i all we can do is be a part of the movement to try to make people aware and hopefully see that stuff you know just just wither away yeah and it's you know first thing i think about is my first ever elk hunting trip was uh north of vale i can't remember what unit it is right there um six something 601 611 something like that whatever unit that is so do it yourself never been elk hunting before um take off go up there stop at walmart and vale and buy me a tag and i head to this mountain that i found on the map and i get up there there's nobody there i'm like cool there's nobody here man that next night <laughs> that trailhead filled up with people and not one hunter. It was all, it was all hikers and, and 
it was basically all hyper, hikers and hippies. And, and, and man, I, I saw elk for the first day and then there were no elk to be found on that mountain. And I drove up to the trailhead one day and uh, I bet there were 250 people up there at that one trailhead. And I stopped and talked to some of them and they were there. They said, yeah, it's opening weekend of elk season. We're here to make sure these elk don't get shot, you know? And I'm like, gotcha. Well, you're doing a damn good job of it, but <laughs> chances are with me, they weren't going to get shot anyway. I my first elk trip, but I did go up there and get to hanging out with some of them during, during the week that I was there. I'd go up there at night and, and, uh, visit with a couple of those guys before it was all over with some of the people that I met there that were there to chase the elk off the mountain. Uh, literally, <laughs> I felt like they had a whole different outlook on what hunting was about, you know? And, um, and I, the first thing I started thinking about, about 621 was I thought about those people because they were up there hiking and camping and they were having just as big of fun running the elk off the mountain as I was trying to find the elk. And I'm thinking this affects those guys too, whether I like it or not, they should be involved. We should, we should get those groups of people like that involved in this fight because if it's so, they don't have anywhere to go hang out and chase elk off the mountain. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have no calls anymore. We're going we're gonna to make them lose their entire calls. <laughs> you know, you're right. And, and another, I mean, I, Braden and I we were up hunting mule deer this year up in the high country, and, and it's rugged terrain. I mean, this, this, it's just miserable country. And we're sitting there. It's the second day of the season, and we're crawling on our hands and knees at, you know, 7 o'clock in the morning, 7.30 through wet brush, get in on these mule deer, see where they're going to bed. And finally, they kind of look like they're going to bed, and so we pull back so we can have a little bit to eat and just let them bed down and calm down. So we're eating. I turn around and look up, and the mule deer are hauling ass, right? They're just yeah. beelining down the mountain. And I'm like, what in the heck's going on? The wind didn't shift. Well, I look up. There's a hiker coming right over the top of the ridge. And it's, you know, it's 13-2, 13-3. And I'm looking, I'm looking for a bow in this guy's hand. I'm looking, for a, I'm looking for something just to think that this guy just screwed up. He's a hunter. And pretty soon, I, he's got his trekking poles. He's got his little day pack. And he's yeah. going for a hike, man. And it's like, you know what? I, I, I got pissed for a little bit there. But it's like, you know what? It's his land just like it's my land, you yeah, know? Yeah. So it's one of those things that there's people from all, all walks of life. There's There's... You know, there's no rhyme or reason why people, um, I guess I should say there's many different reasons why people enjoy it. And you know, we just got to cherish it, you know, because it's uh, there's it's, it's funny how there's people out there with some twisted ideas and twisted mentalities with certain things. And but we can we can stop it. You know, we all got the power to stop it. Greed's a terrible thing, man. I mean, you know, greed, greed's a horrible thing to me. And that's, and I think greed is what drives so much of that stuff. You know, I mean, it's, you know, for, for the reason why Theodore Roosevelt made all these areas protected was because he knew the future. He knew that if big industry had their way, that they were going to go in and, and cut down every tree and, and drain every resource off of all this beautiful land that they could. And, and once it was gone, it was just going to be gone. They were going to walk away from it with their pockets full and the land was just going to be dissipated. So um, that's the reason why he put it in federal protection. And he, cause he knew that was going to happen and he didn't want to see it happen. And, it, and it's like I said, in a couple of videos that I, uh, uh, Facebook lives, I did this, this was put here for us to protect and, you know, damned if we got, if we we're going to let it, get taken away on our watch. I mean, this is our watch. You know, we've had the people before us had their watch and they had to protect it. Now it's our watch. So we've yep. got to protect it. And then later on our kids and our grandkids and other people's kids are going to have to fight to protect it. I hope they do. Um, and I hope if they see the kind of fight that the rest of us put up now for it and why it's important that they'll want to fight for it. And I think, I think that's that's the most important thing that we that we really lose sight of is that when it's gone, it's just gone. And the one thing I try to stress out here is because I, I get this and and will you probably get the same thing in your part of the world because what's happening out west seems to not affect everybody here. It's like it's like out west is a whole different country. Um, 
and we have so much public land here that I hunt. I hunt public land all over the place. I mean, I love to hunt public land. I, I hunt public land in Arkansas, Missouri, Mississippi, Nebraska, Kansas, Montana, Colorado. I've hunted public land in all these states. And that's what I try to tell people here is, listen, the public land in Montana is your public land. The yep. public land in Colorado right. is your public land. The public land in Utah is your public land. You can leave Arkansas and drive up there and hunt that shit anytime you want. Yep. <laughs> you can go up there and hunt it. It's yep. yours. And so don't ever think it doesn't make a difference that it's over there because you can make a difference. You still got to, we still got to fight for all of it. And, you know, it seems like the only time they really get aggravated about it is when it starts getting closer to home. When it gets close to home, they start getting mad about it. But, you know, you got you to gotta make them realize off the bat that all the public land out west is ours, too. It's all, it belongs to all of us. So um, that's one of the things I've been trying to stress. And me and Trevin, we've had a couple discussions the last couple of days about, about, our, about our public land views. And he called me. he called me the other day and said, 622 is not about wildlife protection. And I said, what? He said, you got it all wrong. It's about, you know, them taking the law enforcement agents off the, off the land and turning it over to the counties and the state to make sure. To tech. And I said, but here's the deal, Trevin, if they do that, then it is about wildlife protection because there's going to be no one there to protect the wildlife. Yep. So it is about wildlife protection, no matter how you look at it it's still about wildlife protection. It's, it's not just about the jobs or losing the, the, uh, the law enforcement capabilities of those park rangers or the BLM guys on that land. If you take that away from them and you, now you've left it up to, to, you know, one County officer or one city policeman to go out there and police that area. I mean, how many guys you think are going to be out there cutting trees down with chainsaws? How many guys you think are going to be out there um, uh, uh, shooting deer out of season or at night, yeah. whatever, um, running four wheelers through the through the woods in places they're not supposed to? It's going to happen because there's going to be nobody there to watch after it. It's not going to be anybody to call at two in the morning when you're when you're out there in your camp and you hear a four wheeler go rolling through the you know through the forest. You can't. There's nobody to tell now. Yeah. No, man, so, it's uh, it's 100% true. There's many different reasons why we all need to get together and, and fight together. And like you said, your perspective or Trev's perspective or mine or Will's, yeah. we all have our own backstory and upbringing that sure. – and we all have our things that we like to do that make make our reason for fighting different. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter, right? It's all no, the that's same, right. same goal. That's the deal. Trevin was exactly right in his assessment of what the bill read, reads. He was totally right. I mean, but what I was what I was getting at in my Facebook post that day was that this is going to be a vicious circle that's going to affect everything that has to do with our public lands. It's, yep. I mean, it's just a it's just going to be a vicious circle. So we got six twenty one squashed. Now we got six twenty two to deal with. If we take away the law enforcement capabilities of those entities on that land, then we've got no one there to protect it, including the fact that we lose 26,000 jobs. Yep. 26,000 people out of work. Yep. Um, no, it's not. So, you know, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different reasons to fight for the public land. I think a lot of people, um, I think there's, there's, there's people that'll look at it and it, it, you know, they'll have more selfish reasons to fight for it. And I don't really give a crap if their reasons are selfish, let them, so long as they're fighting for it. You know what I mean? Yep. That's right. Uh, and that, the that's, that's the key. Everybody get together and fight it. But, um, so, so let me ask you this, Tim, if there's some little, um, uh, good looking young lady that just wants to be in a bikini and help fight, you know, we're going to, you know, what do you think about that? Put her to front of the line. <laughs> put her, put her up in the front. Because I guarantee you, one thing about politicians is they'll notice the good-looking girl in the bikinis. Yep. <laughs> they'll notice sure her will. first. <laughs> they'll notice her first, especially uh -huh. coming from the state I'm from, where we had Bill Clinton for governor for two terms and then president for two terms. So, 
So yeah, you got Bill. Everybody <laughs> kind of goes take their take their their lead from Bill. There you go. Well, <laughs> I gotta head back, take care of the little man. So we're gonna have to wrap things up. But Tim, it was a pleasure having you on tonight. We're gonna have to have you on again because I feel like there's a lot more we have to talk about. Where can people catch your stuff? Man, uh, everything we're doing right now is actually on Badlands YouTube channel. It's the Living the Brand series. So if you go to Badlands Packs on YouTube and you click on playlist, there's a series there called Badlands Signature Series, and that's all our stuff there. Um, there's some short films, some different stuff that we've got out now. We're fixing to start putting up on Vimeo that we've done, and, and we've got some short films we're fixing to start on. In fact, next week we start on one about public lands. It'll be about a week-long filming project, but we're going to start filming on the public lands here, just talking about them and where I kind of came from hunting public land and, um, and get into a little bit more about that. And it'll be on Vimeo. So we'll start posting that stuff then. But yeah, the series, the living a brand series is going to continue on Badlands Packs YouTube channel. So right on, man. Hey, much respect, man. We appreciate you coming on and, and the message you're trying to, to bring out to everybody. So Thanks for coming on, Tim. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm glad glad I finally got to come on with you guys and uh, hang out and raise hell. <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> and feed my shirt. Don't feed the hipsters. Tim, you strike me as a man who enjoys wearing skinny jeans. Uh, no, I don't enjoy it, but I have had a pair. <laughs> Uh, you ever well, see Danny DeVito in skinny jeans? <laughs> I know, but now I kind of want to. <laughs> I'm a little tall. I'm a little taller than him, but that's kind of how I feel. <laughs> oh man! And don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, go to mountainops.com. Use the coupon code NBH20 at checkout, and you will get 20% off your purchase. Also, you can get some free Maven swag when ordering some of their wonderful optics using the coupon code NBHGIFT at checkout. Stop by alphabowhunting.com where the podcast is now available to listen to. Also, you can sign up for the Alpha Bowhunting Challenge, which, you know, Tim, even the big guys can come out and do the Alpha Bowhunting Challenge. Lots of money on the line. I want to do it, but I'll get my butt kicked. Nah, nah, it'll be fun. You'd be surprised, man. You'd be surprised. We're... It's it's short. It's a short event, man. You're like two and a half to three minutes. So, and I bet that's your perfect range. That's it. That's, well, it kind of is. I mean, you know, my goal when I was rodeoing, I roped calves, and I used to tell everybody, they're like, "Man, uh, how fast can you run?" I said, "I can run really damn fast for 28 feet." <laughs> that's how long my rope was. <laughs> You'd be perfect, man. We're gonna we're gonna start kicking out some videos here in about a month, really showcasing what the event's all about. So, check it uh, out. We'd, be, yeah, we'd love to have you down. I'd love to come. And uh, for any of you looking for some online training, we've got the private Facebook group. You can get it through uh, Join Team Omega Wolf through the Train Heroic program. Uh, there's feedback on just about everything you do there. We've got it all from running to strength to your general, uh, say, metabolic conditioning style workouts as well as archery. Uh, just 25 bucks a month, people. Join it. Get the most out of these uh, alpha bow hunting or any kind of hunter-athlete style event this year. Other than that, wake up, chase your dreams, repeat.